seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... Welcome, friends, to episode 143 of Color of Magic, your magic gaming podcast, where we talk about all types of issues that affect players at and away from their gaming tables and computers. I am your host, Daquan Watson, and for 143 episodes, kind of, sort of, still have the same host, Brian Allen. How's it going? <laughs> yeah, like, kind of, sort of? Did I? We almost didn't, ma- like, people don't, like, like, you've had a bad run of luck here, man. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's been a little while. We had, as I mentioned to y'all, you know, some computer problems. We had both computers go down. And this week I had to have a, you, you don't even, I told you about a little bit about it. This is, I had had a root canal on this tooth previously in a crown. And apparently I guess the root canal, I guess didn't take. Like I didn't know that they can fail apparently after a certain period of time. So yeah, this is a re-root canal. Wait, so you got a second one on the same? Oh, no. Uh, yeah, because something oh, apparently in there got infected, so they had to go in and pull more stuff out. And Yeah. Ah, that's rough, man. Yes, even, so yeah, this is the Clint Black song. I'm having a good run of bad luck. <laughs> apparently. Wow. that's That sucks. Uh, well, glad to have you here. And then, Thank you. Glad to be here. Believe me, man. Because root canals, from everything I've seen and heard, are not fun in the no. league. Uh, yeah. So, good news is Brian's able to talk because we have a lot to talk about today. Like this, uh, this last week has actually had quite a bit of news, surprisingly. But before we get into that, y'all know we got to pay some bills. So go check out our people over at Cardsphere.com. If you haven't seen their site, you probably should. They are a great place to buy and sell cards literally at the price you want. As a matter of fact, I'm in the middle of an experiment right now to prove to people how much money I could save, and I got to name all the prices on the cards I wanted to buy. So you'll get to see that pretty soon. But you still should go pay them some love because they've been a supporter of the show for quite a while now. So go check them out over at cardsphere.com. And then if you want to support the show, you can go over to patreon.com slash colorofmagic and get a shout-out like our two new patrons, John Kelly and Ian Bukta. Actually, though, I thought Bukta was actually already. He might have left and come back. Either way, we'll back in. We'll still welcome you back into the fold. And then, of course, you can go over to colorofmtg.com slash shop and get you some tokens and planets with our wonderful likeness on it and rep the show when you're out and about playing these tournaments and such. But speaking of tournaments, that kind of walks us right into the soapbox today. And, and we're going to touch on this a little bit more later in the show. But there's a there's a fundamental thing that I think we have to talk about. And this is coming from players like, though we do kind of do a lot of casual play between us, we both have made the rounds in tournaments over the years. So it's not like this is a whole foreign landscape to us or whatever. But one of the things I think that tournament players have to understand And this is going to sound harsh, and please don't take this. I'm not saying I don't like tournament players before I make this statement. I'm going to make these these caveats. (laughs) I'm not saying I don't like tournament players. Hell, I am one half the time, right? I'm not saying I don't like events. But the reality is game stores don't need tournament players. 
Like, and that's, that's like, here's the thing. There are a few stores that that's their whole business model, right? They got to run a lot of events. They got to run a lot of drafts or whatever. That's how they pay their bills. And those stores do. But if the store is not pushing that business model, understand that even stores that thought they had to cater to their tournament players, they found a way to survive and make plenty of money during the pandemic without events happening. And they had to, so you know, to their credit that they were able to do that. Yeah, and not only that, I have said it here before on the show, still to this day, talking to retailers, they have had some of their best years during the pandemic. So not only did they find out they don't need it, they had some of their best sales years and most profitable years without us tournament players being in their space. Like, think about that. When you're going to gripe about a store not running certain events or doing a certain thing, but yet you treated them like garbage. Like, they don't have a reason to bend over backwards for you. Like, you just, they just don't. Like, I mean, like, you can make whatever argument you want about, well, when we show up, we buy singles and blah, blah. Like, yeah, but you weren't doing that for two years, and yet they had record profits for themselves. Like, I'm just saying, like, could now your argument might be, well, they could make even more money. Like, yeah, maybe, but they're doing pretty well without us being there. You know what I mean? Like, there's there's no way you're going to spend that that I'm not going to come back to. Yeah, but they still had more money and more profit with less hassle. Like, I've said it before. I've talked to multiple retailers. They actually shrunk down their play space because they figured out how to make more money with more retail stuff. Like, that's just the world we're in. So when I see players, and, and this is going to relate to a story we'll get to, but like when I see players griping about a store or retailer, when really the store's really done nothing really wrong, you're just more just griping about something you didn't like from a tournament aspect, like you have to take that with a grain of salt. I'm not saying you don't get to have nice things. I'm not saying you don't you shouldn't have feelings or get to complain. It's cool. You should. If you don't like the way something's run or whatever, vocalize it. But understand you have to approach that a certain way if you want the store to care or not. Because they just, the bottom line is they, honestly, they've never really needed it, but there was a belief that they needed it. The problem is that belief got blown up and disproven. And now, yeah, we can make the argument of like, well, you know, now that people have more choices to do entertainment and whatever on getting through the roughest part of COVID, I guess, or whatever, we're still not through it, but you know what I mean? Like, I get it. There's somewhat of an argument there. But it's not the argument I think people are trying to make. So I just want to say this to tournament players. When you go to somebody's store, make them want to have you there. Like, try to buy something more than snacks and drinks and pay your entry fee. Right? If you're gonna if you gotta buy sleeves, show up 15, 20 minutes early, pick up some sleeves, you can sleeve your deck with stuff sleeves you bought from them. Right? If they have a customer that's I don't know, maybe has a question about the game or whatever, and they look a little bit busy, take the time to be nice to the customer. Show them, pitch them the stuff that's on the wall, show them the new new starter decks they should buy or whatever, right? Make them feel good about having you in their store. Like, you showing up is a privilege for you, not for the store. Like, for the store, it's strictly a business transaction. But they don't have to make time to have events in their store. Like, by them hosting your events, they are not doing something else with that space. And in a lot of those cases, that other thing wouldn't require them to also spend more money. 
which they have to for when you're talking about like judges and prizes and whatever, right? They wouldn't have to do all that. So understand, and I'm not saying again that a store should just treat their player, their tournament players crappy or whatever. Like, no, you absolutely don't. That's just bad business. But understand our position in things when we go to somebody's store. Like I, and I've said it before, I always had people, somebody would be when I'd go play an event in somebody else's store back when I still had my place, right? And I'd I'd always try to buy something from them that was either, you know, a game I've been thinking about that I just hadn't ordered yet or whatever, or again, maybe it's sleeves or whatever. And I'd have people go like, well, why are you buying that? Because you can just get it at cost. I'm like, yeah, but that's not the point. Somebody else is making time to let us come play an event in their store. So I want them to at least feel good for doing this thing. So they want to do it again. Right. That's literally it. And you'd be amazed how hard that was to get through people's heads. <laughs> and I told uh, you- Actually, after seeing the pandemic, I'm, I'm not anymore amazed when people don't understand just basic human courtesy. And the crazy thing is we've we talk about it where an average tournament player will spend more on entry fees, gas, food, whatever they need for travel, hotels, you know, whatever, than they will ever spend in a game store. Ever. But you will have one customer walk in and they want the random foil, super rare, multiple gold etch, whatever thing for their commander deck, and they will just drop a $200 bill and walk out happy. Because that's their, you know, that, that's their white whale. That's the thing yep. they've, been, they've been searching to the ends of the earth for. And that's the difference. When you walk in and you pay that entry fee, not only, well, Anyway, like I said, I don't want to go too deep. We'll, we'll go farther on this later in the store because we have a specific example yeah. we can talk to that points out a lot of this. But I'm going to let you get on the soapbox for a little bit, Brian. All right. I've been talking about uh, this strange, bizarre trend of, of professional boxers fighting YouTubers and you know, random celebrities and it's the no it's nobody in power is listening because uh manny pacquiao a noted you know superstar fighter is coming out of retirement to fight a uh, korean youtuber dku who apparently also is i guess he does martial arts youtube stuff so i guess we're not you know this isn't jake paul necessarily but still i'm just i'm afraid somebody at some point is gonna get hurt in one of these. It, it's it's two things, you know, that, that agitate me. It's first of all, boxing just degenerating from any pretense of being a sport and going to just becoming a, like a carnival sideshow to me, it seems. And then also the phenomenon of just boxers not wanting to stay retired. Because to me, okay, yeah, golf, fine. Golf can and should have a senior tour. Because you can play golf, and you can play golf well until you're 65, 70 years old or older. Boxing, not as much. <laughs> you know, it just shouldn't, shouldn't still be a thing. But that's, you know, it's hard to let go. It's hard for not just boxers, but a lot of pro athletes to find anything where they get that same, you know, level of, of power, respect, money. Let's be honest. I'm hoping Manny Pacquiao's not broke. I think he also was a senator in addition to me. So I'm assuming it's not broke. It's just, hey, they offered him a bit more money to fight somebody who probably uh, probably may not be able to land a hit on him. But I, I fear he might just flash back to a Floyd Mayweather fight, throw a real punch, and somebody could get hurt. I mean, here's the thing. 
and and first off, if somebody said, "All right, I'm going to schedule a fight." All the amateur headgear, whatever, right? And it's me and you, and the, we're going to each get like I don't know five million dollars, whatever. I'm like, I might consider that fight. But if you're telling me you want me to get into a ring with a dude who I, has world championships and crap, you know, right. like, has a pedigree. Hell, I believe his he's won sixty two of his seventy two fights. <laughs> right? Like, I, like I, I no. I just unless he's like eighty, you know what I mean. Like, and even then, I probably wouldn't because I'd be afraid I might kill him by accident because he'd be too old at that point. So no, I don't. I don't think there's a way you can get me into a ring with Manny Pacquiao. I like. I mean, I don't know. I you know, million dollar man rule and all that. Like, there's probably a number, but it, it man, this just can't be good. It just can't be. And as I said, this guy is a martial arts YouTuber, although apparently he fought a UFC guy who I have have never, ever heard of and got waxed. So I can only assume Manny Pacquiao. And and again, it's going to be, you know, probably I'm sure they're going to tell Manny. Obviously, this is an exhibition. This is a chance for both of us to make money. But, you know. It's just when you start fighting, reflex action. I'm saying he might mess up and throw a couple of real punches, or you know, he might get ticked off that 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 uh, the the YouTuber is showboating too much, throws some actual punches. It just I, I fear somebody one of these days is going to get hurt in one of these terrible fights. The thing is, like you're talking about a dude that literally has trophy cases full of stuff, right? I mean, like this isn't like oh, this is a dude who you know maybe was training to be something and he only has a 500 record and he never got above like rank i don't know 25 in the world in some lower division or something like no this is a dude that literally up until i don't know what like 2015 ish was still getting in the ring and fighting dudes so it's not like he's that far removed from fighting and he still looks like he's in decent shape and not only that people forget manny pacquiao was an actual full-on athlete not just a boxer like he even played right. basketball and stuff for a while like the dude probably still got it and again if this, if this guy lost a ufc fight where he's allowed to throw kicks and use all of his limbs now exactly. this is just boxing <laughs> exactly you were taking the dude who is good at something and then going into his discipline like Manny that, Pacquiao throws hands <laughs> that's all he throws say, you're talking about a dude who all he's done is train boxing for like who knows how long? Probably, probably more than thirty years, right? And you're gonna want to go step to this dude, like. And people forget, like, when the dude is washed in a sport, he ain't washed at that level for society. Yeah, he's still way better than you. <laughs> yeah, like you know, when you when Usain Bolt decides he don't want to run anymore because he's not the fastest dude in the world and can't compete with other runners, he's still gonna leave your ass in the dust, right? Like he's <laughs> like these people are still infinitely better at the thing they do than us. They're just if you remember that show they had on back when it was, I think, still called Spike TV, Pros versus Joes, proved this point excellently. Yeah. That was the show for all these people to sit on the couch like, I can take that guy. You you could take who? Like they got pros that were retired and stuff and they were still taking dudes out. So I'm just like, yo, if that dude who we're saying is washed up is able to take out average juice. What do you think a dude who actually is still active would be like? 
and and again, Pacquiao's only a couple years removed. Right. So I'm like, I I don't know, man. I don't know. This this is as equal as those people talking about like, yeah, you know what? I think I could take Tyson now. Yeah. You know, like, I'm like, nah, you seen mm-hmm. Tyson lately in a punching bag? Like did, did you see the air the airplane fight? <laughs> dude, like I I still think one shot from Tyson might mess me up for a while. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like for real. I'm not even joking. Like he hits me one time good in the ribs. I might not be yeah. able to breathe for a week. That's right. <laughs> Like I don't know, man. Some people are just full of themselves. But because because again, he can get. There's no there's no way Tyson doesn't hit you if he's trying to hit you. He doesn't get at least five or six shots that have the potential to kill you. Here, here's the thing. Go look at that fight he did with uh, what's his name, Roy Jones, right? Yeah. And look at that interview afterwards. Jones literally is still winded, tired. Yeah. He's like, like man, I, he was still hitting hard. He still comes with it, but like. And you're talking about dude, what they're what 15 years separated? Yeah. And Tyson's that much older than him, and he still worked that dude. <laughs> like another professional boxer was still in awe of how much Tyson still has. And you think one of us is going to be able to get in and take a hit? No, no, ain't no way. But I don't know. Like from the from the YouTuber side or whatever, like this is a good PR move. Yeah. I mean, provided, I, like, he, provided he doesn't die, he yeah, I'm sure yeah, gets right. quite a few subs from this. Dude, I thought about this before way back in the day, though. If I did ever have the opportunity, like one good hit hits me, I might go down. There, like, well, yeah, there, there's also that. If you just want to just, just sell yeah, it. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. Like, even if it doesn't put me down. <laughs> like, dude, if it put me, <laughs> you have to remember, at one point at Tyson's peak, if you just got the match with Tyson, you were going to walk away with like $10 million or whatever. Right. Which was, back in the day right nobody was making that kind of money like people got mad because tyson was making more money than the the champions were for their matches yeah. because it was such a draw so like i kind of get it if you want to get in and take the fall like, <laughs> like people be mad about it but like i couldn't blame you you but wouldn't really, be the first person tyson had knocked out and you wouldn't need on a 90 seconds yeah that's true that's true. By the way, if y'all want some good entertainment, somebody has put together a video of all of Tyson's knockouts okay. on YouTube. Go watch that. I watched it a couple months back, and you're like, damn, some of these are still brutal, man. Yeah. Like some of them, he literally just stands there, like, dodging punches for, like, a minute, and then it's literally, like, three hits, and the dude's done. That, that's like, why he became, you know, such an icon. It's just he he did things. That, if you look at what Michael Jordan did for basketball, it's kind of what Mike Tyson did for boxing. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. He, he was he was that boxer where even if you hit like my wife knows Mike Tyson. She's probably watched less than ten fights in her entire life, but she knows Mike Tyson. He was somebody he was he's one of those boxers from the old days where everybody knew them, even if you didn't watch boxing. But for real, let's let's you know, if you're in this YouTuber spot and you get Manny Pacquiao, who still beloved throughout the Philippines, yeah. you know, he's he's actually hell a former a politician there, even they yeah. voted him into office. So like he probably carries a lot of weight. I bet you this YouTuber probably is still going to walk away with like somewhere between two and five million, which I'd imagine is way more than he's making on his YouTube channel. I would figure. Yeah, let's see. Yeah. Especially if, if you're from outside the U.S. Because yeah. the U.S., the U.K., and That's one also other in Canada, I think, make more than everybody else for the yeah. ad revenue. So he might be making ten times what he makes even with a good YouTube channel over there even if he's well-known. So, like, I, I kind of get it. It's, again, it's that million-dollar man thing, right? Like, 
everybody's got a price. If you can create the scenario where the price is high enough, maybe. And Pacquiao, I think he's one of those guys. He also is just addicted to the spotlight at this point. You know, taking the matches he's taken, you know, trying to get into these other events and whatever. It's like, and that's cool. I get it. Like, that is a real thing for professional athletes. Like, yeah, because every time somebody else, you know, talks about, hey, who's the greatest and you don't hear your name, you know, it hurts you a little bit. So yeah, and like, not just that, but like your whole life is all you've done is train and you dedicate to the craft that you're trying to compete at. And it's all about trainers telling you what to do and dietitians telling you what to eat and whatever. But then when that goes away, it's kind of like, okay, well, now what do I do? You know, and it's it's funny because that's one of the things we talked about a little bit with Cassius Marsh when I was down in, in L.A., you know, because he had a weird situation where he got his leg hurt. And by the way, Cassius Marsh, uh, formerly of the Seahawks, I believe also for the 49ers, you know, a couple of teams he's been traded around. But he's a professional NFL athlete who happens to play a lot of magic, if you don't know. But he was showing up for the second day of taping while we were down there. And, you know, we talked about, fortunately, I say fortunately, unfortunately, he be tore, I think, his ACL or whatever. So he was out for the majority of a season. But during that time, he at least had something he could already focus on. So while I was rehabbing or whatever, you know, he was able to get his business going more and everything else. So even once he's already kind of got a plan of something that can keep him busy once that all goes away. But a lot of athletes don't necessarily have that. Right. You know, it's it's all about their sport or whatever. And that's why you see a lot of these guys that do really well. They talk about like, OK, well, outside in the offseason, I'm investing in this thing and I'm taking these classes. I'm doing this because they already know and they're preparing for at any moment. This may not be here. And, you, you know, you see these crazy stories about dudes that get into all types of trouble or they get into drugs or whatever. It's like I get how it happens. So credit to this dude. I think you're still going to get your ass whooped by Manny Pacquiao. <laughs> But I hope you get paid, man. I hope you get paid. But you know what else that means? It's that time of year, time of day. Not time of year, but kind of is the time of year. (laughs) Why don't we tell everybody what it is we actually learned last week so we can share some fun stuff with the listeners. All right. I I, want to share just, uh, well, some black girl magic with y'all. Michelle Morgan, the the daytime Emmys were held recently. And Michelle Morgan from The Young and the Restless, believe it or not, she is the first black woman ever to win Best Lead Actress at the daytime Emmys. I I was just thinking back. Yeah, that, that, I'm so happy for her. My first, re- first reaction was, I'm so happy for her. She's done a great job. Second reaction was like, Debbie Morgan didn't win one of these? <laughs> you know? But yeah. we know that's, you know, that's the, the industry we're in. That's why this is so important because, you know, in her acceptance speech, she talked about how growing up, she didn't see very many black women on TV. And the ones, you know, that you did see were often somebody's maid. Somebody's secretary, so she, yeah. So I mean, she really is a role model for a whole other generation of actors and actresses that are that are going to come up. And she's had the whole soap opera, you know, career arc where she comes on as a character. That character becomes popular for some unknown reason. They kill her character off. Decide they've made a mistake. She comes back. I think first as her own ghost. Then uh, her own twin. <laughs> you know how soap operas do. Yep. I mean, that's why I have to like thinking about. For all y'all don't know, like older black ladies, they're all into watching their stories. 
Right. If, if your grandma ever kept you, don't talk while the stories are on, right? Yep, that is like religious time in the house during the week. So to know that like it's that entrenched in the culture, and this is the first one, that's actually pretty surprising. Yeah. I would and it's funny you said because I wouldn't even I would have just assumed at this point. You would, again, first person that came to mind, like, where how did this not happen was Debbie Morgan because she was part of, you know, if you remember, uh, I don't know which channel uh, your mom or me mom might have watched, but I mean, all my children, Jesse and Angie, is one of the biggest super couples in soap opera history. And that was yep. Debbie Morgan. So the fact that she didn't win one is kind of shocking me. But then I know there's a whole big thing about who's considered supporting actress and who's considered lead actress. And I guess if you were just going to pick who's the lead actress for All My Children, it would have to be Susan Lucci every day because, you know, yeah, she's Susan Lucci. So that might have been what happened to Debbie. I don't, I don't know if she ever was even submitted as a lead actress. That's a whole. Yeah all other political and we have the same problem happening with movies you know who's the because if, if for example if you watch Django Unchained you know who is really driving that movie it's Samuel L. Jackson yeah Leonardo DiCaprio's character is a complete and total idiot <laughs> you know Samuel yeah. L. Jackson the one that figures out everything but thank you <laughs> thank you Steven you're welcome Calvin yeah I guess but, so but Leonardo I think is the one that ended up getting nominated for an Oscar yeah, just kind of goes that way sometimes. Yeah. But again, congratulations to Michelle. And, you know, just I'm excited to see what other we really hopefully this opens a lot of doors for a lot of other black actors and actresses. Because, again, if you don't even get the opportunity and so many times and that's just the actors of color. We talk about how just I, I was talking to somebody earlier about how, you know, apparently when they were making the, the Panther movie, not, you know, Black Panther, but the actual the actual Black Panther, you know, political movement. They said that the producers kept trying to shoehorn a white actor, and they're like, "Couldn't Kevin Costner be in this? Couldn't Keanu Reeves? Like, what would they do exactly? Couldn't they be, you know, like a white person working behind the scenes? No such person exists. <laughs> like this is history, yeah. <laughs> and you're trying to stick a white actor in here to help sell the movie to white people. That's kind of thing that happens all the time. I was kind of amused that we had the token white guy in Black Panther. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I don't know if that was like super purposeful, but it was kind of amusing. Well, I mean, he's a shield agent, so it makes sense. He'd be yeah, hanging like, around. Like, it wasn't like, like obviously purposeful, but I wonder if like that, that had to have come up on set where people pointed that yeah. out. I, yeah, mean, I mean, a lot of people were mad, like, you know, that they, 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 uh, they felt like the black women talked down to him, like, hey, welcome to our life. You know, this is what we heard that but great scene where, like, does she speak English if she wants to? Yeah. But, like, if I go anywhere to some other country or whatever, then, like, yeah, I'm going to be the lesser of the citizens a lot of times. Yeah. So if I come in disrespecting, I'm going to get put in my place. Like, that's just the way it should be. But anyway, I learned something that I think I already know, but I didn't take to heart. And it came back to bite me in the butt. But y'all, you got to update your software. And not just like, it's one thing. If you're like on your computer, then you're like, hey, you need to update or whatever. And you're like, nah, whatever. I'll wait for like a week. Right? Like, I'm going to push it off till I need to reset my computer or something. Whatever. That's fine. But that's usually when you're talking about stuff that's just on your desktop that you're dealing with. 
But when you're streaming, your streaming platform, whatever you happen to be using, your software, connects to the site you're trying to stream to. You've probably got some overlays that are linking to a website or whatever. Maybe you have some peripherals that are also hooked in. All of those things need to communicate. So if a company tells you, hey, there's a new version and we fixed some things or added some things, sometimes they're doing it because they know about changes coming from other things that you're normally connecting to. So let's say you're using OBS and they tell you like, hey, we made some changes anticipating something that Twitch is going to update because they've had those talks behind the scenes. Well, when you don't update and then that thing gets changed by Twitch, all of a sudden you're like, why am I having problems? Everything was working fine yesterday, you know. Well, I ran into some problems. (laughs) So I had to go through a whole hassle of like reaching out to some people. Like we went through like the logs to figure out what the problem was so people could identify it. And literally all this could have just been solved by just updating my crap. Like, honestly, it's probably even a good benefit to occasionally whatever software you're using for anything. Just hit the little help thing and see like, hey, let me just hit the update or see if there's an update. Because sometimes, whatever reason, it just doesn't get pushed out or maybe it went live whenever you want on or something or whatever and just you never got a notification. So sometimes it's just beneficial just update your stuff, man. It's like it's almost like a PSA. Like, right. I got you don't have to. <laughs> right? like, the more you know. <laughs> exactly. Like, go, go take care of your stuff. It actually is for the best anyway. But let's go ahead and talk about the uh, topics of the day because we can come back to that whole thing with game stores now so the example we're talking about and i'm and i'm there's no need to even throw the store name here because there's no reason to put throw them under the bus but there were players i believe this popped up on monday after the weekend's events happened actually i guess it was sunday after the saturday tournament had happened these people were talking about but it was a big thing on twitter where players were they shared i guess the image of the store's prize payout now, first off, let me say, I'm going to exclude the idea of they were only giving away store credit. Like, probably could have given away cash without too much of a problem. But that's more of a, I don't know, PR thing than a fundamental thing. But even then, they had promoted the event as store credit. People knew that. People showed up with it being store credit. So, on the one hand, I'm like, yeah, they probably should have given away cash. But also, you showed up knowing what the prizes were. So, I can only be so bothered by you being upset. Now, that being said, they ended up having, I believe the number was 127 people. And they decided to go ahead and double the prize pool. So instead of giving 1K in prizes, they had 2K in prizes. Still all store credit. It is what it is. But I at least looked at that and said, okay, they at least thought, hey, we're getting a bunch of people. We should at least give away more than what we were scheduled to give away. Because that seems nice to do. Which, to their credit, fair. But then, after the event's done, these players take to Twitter and whatever and gripe that they're... Now, this is the part I have a problem with. Their argument is they are mad that the store made somewhere around the ballpark of $4,000 off their event. Now, the amusing thing here is I had some people tag me and share it with me (laughs) thinking I was going to be mad at this. Boy, were they wrong. Because they my, not, they not listen to us before. <laughs> yeah, because my, my first immediate thing was if that same store had only gotten 30 players, 
and still didn't give away their advertised prizes and reduce the prizes, you'd have been mad. So you're saying, well, when fewer people show up, they should take the loss. But then when more people show up, they shouldn't take the profit. Nah. Like, we've already addressed this thing before in the opener that, like, they don't necessarily even need that tournament. They're doing it more for PR and other stuff and whatever. So to come back and say, like, well, well, they shouldn't have made that much money then. It's like, who cares? They took a chance. Right? For all you know, 50 people could have shown up and they wouldn't have made nearly as much money. So to be mad at them because they made extra money taking the risk. And not only that, here's the other thing, too. Let's be clear for a second. It's not even just the entry fee they're giving away, right? They have scheduled something in their store, which means they didn't schedule other things, which also means that their regular players, customers, whoever, that would come potentially use that space for something have already decided not to show up to the store because they know this is on the schedule. So if you don't show up and they're taking that risk, they've also lost that other money they can't get now. And then on top of that, I, from what I could find, they had at least three judges. So those judges all get something, whether they get cash yeah. or a couple of boxes of product or whatever. Plus, at least for us and other TOs I know, when you have 127 people, that's a long day. So you for sure would have bought lunch. You probably also bought dinner, even if it's just pizzas or Whataburger or whatever. Right. You still had something you you took care of for them. And then in a lot of cases, especially today, depending on where your judges came from, you probably also reimburse them for some amount of money for gas or travel or whatever. So it's not even like it's just the thousand dollars. There's other stuff that went in that, too. Not to mention that if you wanted to make sure you didn't lose money in your events or you wanted to make it a good PR thing. It's possible they paid for some low cost amount, but paid for some amount of ads, whether on Facebook or whatever. They might have also had somebody they paid to do a flyer or put something together online, make a banner ad for their website, whatever. So there are other, now admittedly, that's not $4,000 worth of stuff. It's probably somewhere between $1,000 and like $1,500 worth of stuff. But still, that's still money they spent or at least plan to spend to take a risk to run this event. So they do get to realize the profits. Now again, had it been me, it would have been at least you know, if they're just giving away the $2,000 or whatever, or the $1,000, would have just been cash up front to begin with. Like, that would have went a long way to alleviate some of the stuff. But I'm also ignoring, like, you know, they also said up front it was going to be store credit. And you came knowing that. And I have gone to stores and played in events when I knew it was store credit. And sometimes it's like, well, the credit's enough that, like, I can get some high-end card. I can just resell or something anyway. Right? So you're willing to take that gamble. I don't know the store and their their inventory or whatever. So I can't say if it's worth it or not. But if I go to the store knowing it's store credit, I don't gripe later that I wish it would have been cash, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, I knew what I was getting into. But yeah, it was just like seeing the players complain and, and appreciate that it wasn't as lopsided an argument as they thought it was going to be either. A lot of people got on and said like, yeah, the store made money. Great. You know, like they took a chance to run the event. Cool. They're not making money doing other things while you're in the store. So great. And I can tell people like, not only the fact that if you weren't there, they would have other people in that space, possibly coming in, buying singles, buying other stuff, whatever, miniatures, whatever it is they sell. They also wouldn't have to, and I'm not going to say babysit because that's demeaning, but like they wouldn't have to monitor you, right? They're not having to have people putting in results in a tournament. They don't have to have judges walking around. They have to do all this other stuff, right? They would mostly be taking care of themselves. And that changes things. So 
I don't know, Brian. Like, do you have a problem with them making that kind of money on a tournament? You know, at one hundred and twenty-five. Like you said, yeah, I would. I would prefer that it be cash. But if it was advertised as cash and people read now, the the truth is, I don't know how many people actually read that. But again, that's on them if they didn't you know, didn't read the the advertising or whatever. Yeah, there wasn't a single person that sounded like they didn't know what was store credit when they showed up, and there wasn't anybody who sounded like. As far as I can tell, it was store credit from the get-go. It wasn't like they changed it anywhere in the middle. So for me, all those fundamental things, I went like, yeah, that's all fine and good. They didn't do anything wrong. Now, could they have done some stuff to help themselves from a PR perspective? Absolutely. And I even said, as a player, would I liked it more if they would have upped another $1,000? If they'd have turned it in some, maybe even like half and half cash and store credit, whatever? Sure, would have loved that. But is the store obligated? No, they actually already tried to do at least somewhat right by people by increasing the the prize payout. So, like, I don't know. But it was an interesting thing to see how players kind of reacted to that and what the expectation was. But, again, when you come back to the fact of, like, that store just may not even need that tournament. And now that, as you mentioned, people realize now that they don't <laughs> that they don't have to have the, the tournament players in there, though. It's, uh, it's a game changer. Yeah. Now, some of them will do the good PR things and they will work that into their business plan so they can still make some amount of money off those players. Completely reasonable. But you also have to understand the store owner also knows that whether they give you $500 credit or $500 cash today, they're likely not going to see you again until the next tournament. So you not being around or you being upset or whatever ultimately does not affect their bottom line. Now, yeah, that's one less person that comes to the tournament next time or whatever, maybe even two or whatever, but like, sure. But they, according to the way the players want them to run it, they weren't going to make hardly any money on it anyway. So what is your leverage as a player to be like, okay, I'm not going to shop here. I buy all my sleeves and cards elsewhere because I'm trying to get the most EV. So I'm not buying any inventory from you. At best, I'm maybe buying a soda or some snacks to get me by, but I'm probably going somewhere else to get food. And then you're only going to see me, let's call it three times a year, whenever I show up and play in a qualifier in your store. But I also want the time I'm there to not be max profitable for you. So, like, what what is your argument? You know what I mean? Like, I don't think I'm being unreasonable, but, like, what weight are you bringing to the table? Other than... I paid a 20 to $50 entry fee for this tournament. Like, cool. But you also want them to just give the money right back out. So you want them to hold it for eight hours, 10 hours, and then just give it back to you, or at least give you 80% or whatever back. And that's not really that much benefit for them. Especially when you consider the fact that it requires way more work to get that little 20% of the money. Which, again, I'm going to come from totally ignorant because I've never owned any kind of retail store. But, like, okay, the tournament, as you said, it was like a $4,000 or $5,000 profit from the tournament. Mm -hmm. How how much do they make that day without the tournament? I have have no idea. Honestly, I've literally had days where we had a good tournament and I looked at the end of the day and went, eh, that was like four or $500 better than a regular Saturday. So, like, was it really worth it at the end of the day? Like, maybe, maybe not. Because, again, there's also the, like, unwritten part or unspoken part of just, like, 
I could have been dealing with customers that become full regular customers. True. Shop with me regularly or whatever versus dealing with, you know, let's call it a hundred people that are just from out of town that I'm not going to see again for three months, four months. Right. So there's a bunch of other things in there that aren't even just the straight dollar value. And I think that's the part people miss when they, when they talk about this stuff is like, now again, if I can make a plea to the players, make yourself valuable to these stores, make them want to cater to you, make them want you back. Like hell, even basic crap, make sure they're back. We use a bathroom, make sure it's clean when you walk out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like whatever, make it to when they're done with the tournament, they look around Please at their do staff. do that everywhere, <laughs> especially during time of COVID. But I mean, always, but really, especially now, make sure the bathroom is just as clean when you leave as it was when you went in there. Please, you God. should. You should. But I'm just saying, like, when a, I know when people a, don't. I know yeah, some I people saw don't. people at the airport that didn't in the bathroom. They had, like, all the automatic crap to make it easy. But seriously, Somebody, you want the people that work that event, that work the story, the judges, the owner, the employees, to get done at the end of the day and go like, man, that was really fun. We actually made money on that. Everybody had a good time. We made some new customers. Right? We sold some extra stuff because some of these players that came in specifically bought things off our shelf. Right? That's what you want. So not only will they run those events again and come back, they'll probably run extra events because it was positive. But if your plan is, we want to show up, have you make the minimal amount of what we deem to be acceptable profit profitability and run a perfect event with well-staffed, good prizes, lighting, blah, 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 blah. And then just leave and not come back. And I didn't buy anything else from you. Like you're not giving them a reason. Like seriously, you're just giving them no reason to want to run it. Like, and I don't think people really stop to even think about that. So just be a good patron, a good person, and then they'll probably want to support more of your events. Actually, not that hard to figure out. But anyway, let's talk about an owner that was not very good last week. <laughs> well, there's a store called Dark Tower Games, which isn't the best name for a store, but whatever. Uh, actually, in my neck of the woods, up here in the Northwest. And it turns out the owner is not the nicest of guys. Uh, and by nice, I mean kind of a doucheball. <laughs> so this took a little bit of digging, and I had to read a bunch of posts and like go search around it. Then I asked a bunch of locals who had actually been to his place to try to dig down into this. And it turns out the owner actually doesn't even live in the state of Washington. He actually lives, I believe, in Idaho, which is nearby. But uh, my guess is, based on his post probably because uh idaho's a little more conservative we'll put it that way <laughs> than, than where he was living but uh to give you kind of the short version he copied and pasted a post didn't type it because i'd seen the post before somewhere else so i knew what it was as soon as i saw it but it basically runs down that it's, it's kind of like written from the perspective of trying to insult or be mad at a liberal and basically going on about our kids aren't safe because you're trying to indoctrinate them into lgbtq stuff um you know you're trying to take our guns away with the facade of, of background checks and gun free zones you know you're pushing abortion 
you know, trying to say that it's legal and safe and blah, 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 you know, like, but you want them to get abortions for any reason. Like literally just going down this whole list. Like he's checking all the popular boxes with this one. And of course that didn't go over well for a lot of reasons, even more so because of where your store is located in one of the more liberal states in the country. Now, the bad part about this is immediately because, you know, people do what people do. The store started getting all types of bad messages and the employees are being threatened and blah, blah, whatever. Turns out from everything I could find, the employees are not like that. The manager that's been there a while is not like, matter of fact, they are overly inclusive and they've even participated in some of these marches and different things and parades. And, and even if they were, don't call and harass people. Yeah, honestly, you shouldn't call and harass employees anyway for something that an owner says. Now, boycott the business, blah, whatever, cool. But don't go after employees. Because think about this. All of us have had jobs where we didn't agree, hell, not even with ownership, just with our own managers. Right? So how would you feel if you had a manager or, hell, an owner that was like, you know what? I just think black people shouldn't be in charge. And then you obviously don't agree with that, but yet you're getting death threats. That just doesn't make any sense. Like, don't do that to other people. It's dumb. So anyway, this goes on for far as the timeline I could tell, somewhere around 30 to 40 hours. And I, I would say he came to his senses, but it's not really what happened. He just realized he effed up. Like, I, I need another thing on the sound, but he's like, you done messed up, A.A. Ron? Like, <laughs> right. he <had> moment. <laughs> I have that on my stream setup. But so he puts out the post of, ah, I know what, what was shared, upset a lot of people. We just want everybody to know that I got hacked. And I was like, man, how come is it every time somebody posts some crazy stuff like that, it's always, I got hacked. Like, you couldn't come up with nothing better? Like, for real. Like, Should have done the Roseanne. I took some Ambien. Yeah, like, give me something. Like, because, bro, like, how are we supposed to believe, especially in this day and age with the younger generation, you think they're really going to believe that magically somebody went to a business owner who's apparently has enough money to live in different places and whatever, and the best thing they would do, like, you know what we're going to do this, dude? We're going to post some crazy right-wing stuff. Like, they didn't take your bank account. They didn't try to get your business shut down. They didn't do all that other stuff. Like, come on, bro. That they made you tweet some right wing BS. Yeah, exactly. Like, come on, man. So anyway, that happened. And again, I'm going to bring up, this is why I don't give a damn about apologies, because at no point did any of that even really, like, it was the bare minimum that would be acceptable as an apology. Pretty much didn't really disavow all the other stuff that was said in the post yeah. anyway, but whatever. So the good news about all this is that the manager and two locals, and the best way for it sounds like one of them was a customer and another is a local business owner, have entered into an ownership agreement to buy and rebrand the store from the previous owner. And by the way, if you want to name and shame, his name is Nathaniel Williams, but that's a pretty generic name. Don't go looking for that on Facebook. Right. Like he specifically lives in the state of Idaho or whatever. But they have apparently entered in this agreement. They're still finalizing negotiations, but sometime in the near future, it will be under new management and, and ownership. Actually, technically new ownership, same manager, actually, because he's staying on board. So under new ownership with a new name, and they can kind of put all this to rest. 
So unfortunately, we did have to go through a stretch of about a day, day and a half in there where the employees did actually have to go through. They had to shut down all their social stuff and whatever because people were just being terrible to them. And, and that sucks because none of this was their fault. From, from everything I could find from anybody who's visited the store or whatever, they all said, no, the employees are great. Like, they're good community folks. Like, everybody likes hanging out at the store. But, so, like, none of the stuff is reflective of what the owner said. And that sucks for them because they basically couldn't really work safely for the better part of a week because of something an idiot said. Like, we got, we got to stop doing that to people, man, because, like, those people – Honestly, I wouldn't even be surprised if they didn't even know why people were mad when they first started calling. Right. Right. If they hadn't been online and seen the people, you know, on Twitter or whatever, people be mad about the story or on Facebook, they wouldn't have known what the hell was even going on. So I'm sure the first four or five phone calls or like, you know, direct messages they got or whatever, they're like, what the hell's wrong with people today? You know what I mean? Like, why, why are they all mad? Yeah. So that's a tough one. But the good news is it at least had a happy ending. So that's kind of nice. But yeah, you, you got to... I get it, right? The employees work, but some people are just working there to work there, man. They're trying to get by. It ain't their fault. Now, if somebody said specifically this employee also backed this up or was part of this thing, then cool. That's a whole different ballgame. But if you just hear something just from an owner or ownership, you know, that's hard. It's hard. And I know from being a Benzor, there were times I purposely did or didn't say something or post something or participate in anything because I knew because of where I live, some of those things could come back the wrong way on some of my folks. So, like, I just didn't do it. But I, but it shouldn't be that way, right? They shouldn't have to worry about me. You know, and the same thing. You shouldn't have to worry about your owner saying something that possibly is going to get you a death threat and maybe, maybe not get home. Like, that's stupid. But continuing on with the news, we have a follow-up story. So, Brian, remember we were doing that whole thing about uh, Satine Phoenix and Jameson Stone and all the craziness that went down around that a couple weeks ago? I do. That was a cluster. <laughs> yeah, that was a lot to handle. But guess what? It's still not done. But, <laughs> oh, God. This is some good news-ish, kind of. So, to kind of further this whole thing, I've told you, like, pretty much a lot of partnership deals and stuff were just falling apart around them. Well, there was a post... Uh, and a story put out by Jameson Stone that they are going to be shuttering Apotheosis Studios, which is his production studio that produced like D&D books and things. Or I should say role-playing books. But I guess they had something in production already. Now, it's unclear if this last thing will be produced and finished or if they're just shuttering everything completely. But either way, sometime in the near future is no longer going to be operational. Now, digging in a little bit, turns out, they're also not going to give refunds to people that backed their most recent Kickstarter, which sounds like it's the project that's still in process. But the explanation I could find was that they've already used a big chunk of the money to pay the creatives involved on it. So I don't know how true that is or not. But if they did or can at least claim to, that at least legally protects them for the most part from Kickstarter policies. So is what it is. But I also couldn't find confirmation from the creatives on the project that they'd all been paid. <laughs> so I don't know. Only one person said they hadn't been paid yet. But I don't know if that's just an isolated case or if that's everybody involved. So make of that what you will. 
Yeah, considering this is probably the last time either of these people work in the industry, would anybody be surprised if they skimmed a little bit off of the top on their way out? I uh, mean, they got a 40K lawsuit out there that they might be able to move some of that money over to pay for it. I don't know. Yeah. But this does really bring something to light. Because I've reached out to, now, not because of this, but I reached out to somebody who was a former sponsor backer of theirs and they said outright they didn't even make a big public thing about it they just wiped them from the slate effectively just behind the scenes like no support no money pulled from all the projects logos gone likeness is gone whatever just done and i'm assuming from the looks of things on the internet that just went on everywhere and you're talking about people who had a lot of working relationships i mean they'd worked with Witches of the Coast, with Ultra Pro, with, oh my gosh, they had a bunch of people. Some dice companies, production company, other other creatives, like other big Twitch and YouTube channels and stuff, right? All of those connections, pictures, everything I could find, gone. So you're talking at this point, partnership, brand deals, done. Apparently working relationships, Done. All those appearances at conventions and whatever, because they were on the circuit regularly, gone. And now the production house they have gonna be gone. Like you talk about, you know, this should be a lesson to people, man. Right? Right. You and again, by their own words, like, you know, if you've been doing this for a decade and a half, piling up bodies in the closet, sooner or later it starts to come to light. And with now with social media, it can just it, it's like lightning. But back get, before we all talk to each other on a somewhat regular basis, just all throughout the industry, like it might have taken, you know, a couple of months for word of this to, to spread around and get to where just everything vanished. But now it's overnight. But here's the messed up part. This only even happened because they mistreated a tattoo artist. That was the catalyst for this whole thing to unravel. And then literally within like a 48-hour time, like 50 stories came out. Like you're talking about, like, this feels to me like there were a lot of people that felt kind of wronged, but they couldn't really like, okay, maybe it's just a me thing or whatever. And I don't don't really know. Maybe. And like, is anybody going to believe me? You know, like that sort of thing. Yeah, but then, one stand broke. It's just, person, it's literally like that you pulled that one string on the T-shirt <laughs> and it just kept going, you know, and that's what this is. And like I said, my interaction was five, six years ago, you know, and apparently there was plenty of people who had things before that. But, yeah, this is literally like, I mean, you know, I use it jokingly sometimes that, you know, somebody's going to be persona non grata. But like this might be for real because this is the point where like. Who do you get to work with in this industry anymore? I yeah, I can't imagine. Like at least not for the next minimum five years, probably, but maybe even as long as ten years to like do some image rehab or whatever. Yeah. Because like, and and with what they did, like they could have been voice actors for things. You know, they literally had the world for them, and that's gone. Like that's crazy. Now. Not undeservedly so, <laughs> but that's wild when you think about it. Like, they were about as entrenched in nerd culture as you could be. And like I said, I mean, regular appearances at the conventions, you know, lots of stuff on streaming and, you know, online appearances, sponsors by all the big players, like, none of that. 
all because they mistreated some people on the regular. Right. So I don't, I like, man, treat people right. You work with people, pay your people, you know, be compassionate. It's not rocket science. You know, but apparently for some people it is. Have some empathy for folks. Be compassionate because it goes a long way and you don't want to pile up this type of thing. And like, and here's, here's the wild part, right? Like with all this going on, all this in, you know, behind the scenes and for, for so long, imagine one, how many deals or things they didn't get because people did know. And then the situation that people still had to be in, in the final days, we'll call it to still take a project to work with them. You know what I mean? Like, cause, and I, and I feel for them, right? Because these writers and artists or whatever on this last project, for some of them, that's probably the first deal. You know, they're still trying to get their name out there or whatever. And they were, and this is going to be the project that did it. And now it's going to be like, nobody's going to want to buy anything from the studio. Yep. And hell, we, we don't even know. They may or may not even get paid for it on top of that. Right. So like, it, it's a tough deal, man. But I figured I would bring it up just to kind of, I don't know, put a bow on some of those things that like, yeah, even that, that was just basically a production company to put out material, like because they're owners, that's going to be gone soon too. So like, yeah, the industry has spoken on this one. It was just like, you messed too many people up in too many parts of it. And nobody's going to stand for that anymore. Like that's, that's a tough one. But Brian, let's, uh, Talk about it, uh, a forgot a product, a project that was lost to the annals of time, if you yeah. will. Right. So there's been some creators circulating and bringing back up a thing that was called the Magic Greenlight Fund. I think it was called the Magic Greenlight Fund. Actually, was the official title on it. And the concept behind it was that they were going to earmark a million dollars. And then take proposals. I believe they were taking proposals for, it was a long time, for like six, seven months or something. And then at some point, they were going to review all the proposals and then figure out which ones they could fund and move those forward. And there were some caveats like, you know, whatever you did had to be, you know, had to have a certain look or presentation or be friendly to certain things. Obviously, where's the coast is going to get to put their logos and stuff on it, you know, all that. But, you know, rightfully so. They're basically the producers for the project. So whatever. But then COVID happened because I believe this came out because I know I submitted something for it. Actually, yeah, it was actually just before COVID. It was either late 2019 or early 2020. So it was literally like going into COVID. And then it sort of just quietly went away. And nobody really knows what happened to it. And a bunch of people sort of feel different ways about it. But I kind of would let you start here, Brian. Like, what is your take on this whole thing with that type of thing being announced and then just kind of disappearing? Well, I, I think one of the theories is that since this was kind of around the same time the Mr. Beast thing happened, like there's apparently a, a spreadsheet from December 2020 where a lot of people who don't play Magic regularly did sponsor streams. So that may have been, the, I guess, the kind of burning off of, hey, we thought we were doing this, but we just didn't have the really the project kind of went the project as pitched seems like it went down the drain but we've already allotted some money for magic related content so let's kind of just do it this way oh, that's interesting I didn't know that I didn't see that so that's actually that's a good theory 
you know, I could get behind that. They're like, hey, we need to do something with this money before the end of the year on the budget anyway. Let's go find some people to sponsor and put it out there. Like, if so, that wouldn't be the worst use of it. I mean, for me, I'm going to say I'm a little, it's a little tough for me because I I get Because I didn't know you had applied for it. That's that's Yeah, I didn't tell a lot of people. I put together, like, I believe it was two different pitches that I submitted. But I give too many people credit, or I guess the the outs of COVID. And I feel, because there's so many things I feel like in my life over the last two years that like literally, you know, it's like, ah, we, we want to come work on this thing for you, but we can't go buy shovels right now because they're not in stock. And I'm like, okay, like, I don't yeah. even go if shovels are in, you know what I mean? Like is like COVID made it hard to ship shovels or whatever the thing is. Right. I don't, I don't question it, but I've seen it enough times in enough places that I kind of feel like uh, this has enough reality that it could be true. It's and, like it's become the new, you know, the dog ate my homework. But really, because COVID was such a thing and, and supply side crisis, a thing you can't prove that's not yeah, what caused it. That's exactly it. So I, I know I'm being a little bit of a sucker there. Like, so if somebody wants to be like, ah, but there was a wizard, like, yeah, maybe. Like, I, like I'm admitting, I'll accept that. But the other thing is too, I think people also don't realize that it wasn't going to be just a million dollars for them to give away a million dollars means they really have to spend, if I'm guessing, somewhere between three and five million. Because that would, honestly, if you're going to, I'm assuming with a million dollars, with knowing what my pitch was, like you would probably be able to fund no less than 20 projects, maybe 30, depending on what they are, the scope of the projects or whatever. Like to do that, you're going to need a team of people to manage that. And probably even hire somebody else for your legal team, right? Because you're going to have to have somebody checking on those or running the footage by them before it goes live, you know, making sure the logos and the branding appears properly for legal reasons, all that stuff, right? So just in employees for, I assume the project would run the course of a year or two, like that's probably, a, I don't know, about a million dollars wouldn't be that unreal depending on who you're hiring and what it's for because some of those are going to be six-figure jobs. Not to mention, you know, how much are they also helping with support, right? Was there a plan to also do, like, do we have to keep producing graphics? Do we doing commercials? Are we doing online stuff to help push this stuff, let people know it's a thing, to get it to more players? Are they paying production houses to put stuff together that you submit to be on big splash reels for conventions or something, right? So there was going to be a lot of other stuff involved. There's a lot of moving parts. It's not just, hell, honestly, just the team of people who are going to have to pick the pitches was probably an expense. You know what I mean? Like, I don't even know who would have made that decision there. It feels to me like Wizards is getting out of the business of, I guess, you know, really trying to to purge in or support the up-and-coming content creator. And they're just going to look like, hey, who's already established? Let's pay them XYZ amount to promote this thing. In some ways, maybe. But that being said, I've also seen a lot of smaller creators Getting invited, you know, some of them got to play in the early access thing. I've seen some getting the special, like, care packages sent from Wizards or whatever. So, even that I can't say is 100% true. Like, there's well, just I mean, actually, like, sending them, like, the sending them the cards of, like, what actual, you would know better than I, what actual financial cost is that to Wizards? I mean, they're digital no, items. Like, dude, like, they 
like we got custom wooden like like made boxes that are like burned and cut and like they came with a bunch of stuff and like leather play mats and like so they're they're spending actual money. You yeah, know? everybody got that was already established, right? Like nobody nobody with like ten viewers got one of those, right? I don't think ten, but honestly, I wouldn't spend money on somebody with ten either. Like, because again, we've talked about it here on the show. Like, there's people who've been streaming for three, four years that barely have ten viewers. So, like, why am I going to put money behind that person? I know it sounds harsh, but I'm I'm just being real business mind here. Like, why am I going to put money behind that person? Like, if you haven't shown any trajectory or any way to help promote the brand or build customers. Like they're not, it's just, I mean, I get it that people want that to be the ideal world, but it's just not like, they're just not, I mean, ask any of hell, I even being a business owner, like there are certain people you look at and you're like, I'd love to work with you, but like, I would literally just be throwing money at you. Like, it's not going to do anything. Like it's not going to make me any more customers and it's not going to make you any better. So like, what am I doing throwing money at you? Like there's stuff I literally threw money at that I knew it wasn't going to go anywhere. Like, but it was like, you know, I'm going to support one of the kids and come to my store and I'm going to buy an ad in his yearbook or whatever. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to spend $300 and know that I'm at best. I get like two customers out of this thing. It's fine. Whatever. Right. That type of stuff. But that was, that was more charity than anything. Right. But legit business expectation. Like I, there was a lot of things I passed on. So it doesn't surprise me. Even now at my size, like there's certain times companies and not just wizards, just companies as a whole don't want to work with me or whatever. And like, I don't take it personally. I get it. Like depending on your brand and your reach and you know, how many other people you're already doing promotions with, like putting me in the fold doesn't get you any new customers. It's one of the things I've discussed with people that I'm probably, even as much as I love working with some of these brands, if they gave me the opportunity I know that if I reach out to Logitech, the odds of them working with me are so minuscule because they already have their arms in the gaming space. So like working with me likely doesn't generate you any new customers. So it's like, even if somebody there loves me, it's like they would just be throwing money away. And I get it. So like, I I can't be upset about it. And the same thing with Wizards. Like if you could support, I don't know, I'm just going to throw names out there, but like you could support Covert Go Blue and you know, game nights and the professor and blah, blah, whatever. And you can have the eight or 10 biggest channels backed. How do you justify going and giving me if, I mean, obviously I have more than this, but like if I just have 10 viewers per video, giving me even a hundred dollars a video or whatever, or for the month, because that money's just wasted. Like it sucks, but I mean, that's just reality. Hell, I have consulted for people that sounded like they were serious. And then the minute they found out it was real work, pretty much just disappeared. <laughs> right? So like, yeah, that's the thing. So I mean, like I being in wizard shoes, I get it. If they're not throwing that kind of money around. Now, my issue is that there wasn't just an explanation, right? Yeah, that's, that's the thing. Is like, it just kind of vanished from the face of the earth. As you said, people applied for it. People, you know, put, put time and effort into trying to pitch something. And then you don't even, I guess there wasn't even a rejection letter. No, <laughs> like, dude, mine was like legit. Cause again, cause I kind of knew the industry and I knew what I was aiming for. And I knew the rough cost for what actually like production and whatever. So I went through and I literally was like this much for an extra camera for this thing, this much for, you know, this time for editing this much for the things we need to buy this thing. Like I literally had like, I had itemized my costs. And then I had a couple of pair of masks explaining what each item was and what the cost was for. 
So like I made it clear as day what I was trying to do. Now, I don't know because and again, because gamers are gamers and we've talked about this before that when gamers go to ask for money, they don't make a very good sales pitch. So it's very possible Wizards also got like I don't want to like over but they probably could have got a thousand proposals. That's probably more than that actually. <laughs> like, yeah, probably. They probably got more than that. Let's say let's say 5,000. Even if it's bigger than that, whatever. 5,000 still a lot. Let's say they got 5,000 proposals and you still got to go through those and a bunch of them are like, "Oh, this is a cool idea, but you can tell the person doesn't know what they're doing." Right? So then that requires a whole other round of conversations of well, do we fund this one but give this person more help and direction? Or do we just say like, "Sorry, you didn't research this enough." Man, we know how much this is going to entail. We can't work with you. Or whatever. Like, I don't know. There would have been a lot of weird decisions around that. Yeah. But I do think there should have at least just been a general public statement of, hey, we had every intention to do this this way. And here's what we were hoping would come of this. However, when the pandemic happened, we decided it wasn't worth doing because of all these reasons. Because there are some legit reasons, right? Like, even if they did decide they were going to fund it. And there's some business money reasons when you have to like declare stuff on one year and take it off taxes of another and whatever, like there would have been some stuff around it on the bookkeeping and whatnot, because there was going to be things you were going to fund that you probably wouldn't even have gotten to realize for over two years. Like as an example, let's say I want to do something with game stores, right? And maybe, maybe we're going to do game store makeovers, right? <laughs> like what's that? Uh, like what's you make over game store edition. Like, uh, the thing is, uh, John Taffer, the guy that goes and changes bar, bar rescue. That wow. guy, right? Let's say we're going to do something like that, right? Show up for the weekend. We're going to spend some money, rehab a store, or whatever, and then we're out, right? Well, during the pandemic, we I could actually even, watch that. Yeah, I would too now that I said it. But like, <laughs> but like, with the pandemic, you wouldn't even be able to go to a store. Yeah. You know, much less get carpenters, plumbers, or whatever to come help you do what you need to do for a weekend or whatever. So it just, like stuff like that would have been a problem. Like there, I imagine there was going to be a lot of things that got proposed that you weren't going to be able to do anyway. The minute you realize how bad the pandemic was and like that, I think that's the other thing. Right? And those are all legit reasons to say like, Hey, now maybe once we're clear of COVID, which I don't know when that's going to be. Cause now there's what yeah, the BA yeah. four and the BA five spike or whatever. But like, let's say we get to a point where we're literally at like, okay, now COVID's a normal thing then maybe they come back and, you know, say, okay, everybody resubmit. We want to do this thing, you know, whatever. But I, that's the only gripe I have with it. Like as far as it going away, that feels like gamers just being irrational and just griping because we get something to gripe about, right? We didn't have news to gripe about today. So we want to gripe about a thing that we lost. Right. But realistically it did deserve at least some explanation because I do feel there were probably some people that were super excited, like thought they had a really great picture idea and then it's never heard anything. Yeah, I mean, especially like you would even if I pitch a comic book idea, you know, to Marvel that they hate, I would just they give me the courtesy of rejection letter. Yeah, that's even that would have been good, I think, for a lot. That's of just basic, you know, courtesy. Hey, we received this, we didn't like it, but you know, thanks for your support, kind of thing. Yeah, that would have been great, right? So that that's sort of where I'm at on it. the The fundamental part of it going away, again, like just because of the expense that would have been involved and then the number of bodies it would have taken, plus all the logistics to actually get stuff filmed. And, and at that, actually, at one point, some companies weren't even operating. You know, so like, if you had to touch base with people for production things or whatever, like, they may not even have anybody 
on staff for months, right? So there's a bunch of things that just wouldn't have been possible. So it, it's a tough one, though. Like, And that's the part where, and we've talked about it before. Sometimes one of the failings of Wizards is you just don't, like, it's weird. I think they both over-communicate and under-communicate. Which is, that's a really weird thing to say, because it makes me sound like I'm trying to speak out of both sides of my face. But, like, there's some stuff they say more than they need to. Yeah. And then there's other things that we just don't hear anything at all. And, like, I think this is a case where we needed to hear something. We didn't even need to. And I think that's the thing. Like, obviously, they're making money. We're all functioning, whatever, not even talking about it. But I think that's how you build up the long-term PR. Yeah. Just saying, like, hey, we get it. that We were excited about this, too. Unfortunately, COVID just made it where it wasn't a thing. We ended up moving money around for other projects. So we're going to address it again maybe in 2024 or whatever. Cool. And then that's it. You walk away from it, everybody's happy, right? It's literally that simple. But I don't know. But I think it was at least a neat thing to talk about, bring up. Some people didn't even know it existed. You know, they're like, yeah. what is this? And it's like, yeah, it was It was only really news for like a month. And if you, you were excited about it, you went to work on a proposal. If you weren't, you just didn't. And then it kind of was already washed anyway. And honestly, here's the other reality. I doubt this is the case. But I just thought about this. What if it was the exact opposite? That they put it up, but then they only got like 100 proposals and only like three were worth a damn. And maybe somebody at Wizards went like, yeah, maybe this isn't the thing we need to be doing. You know what I mean? Like, because that's that's pos- I doubt it. I doubt it. Yeah, but it's- I, I, just knowing how many good content creators there are, I seriously doubt that. Because if that's the case, I, but more than 10 people asked what happened. You figure that at least the people that asked what happened probably sent something or I mean, knew some people that said something. You know as well as I do, though, they, they might have sent something, but it may not have been good. <laughs> I mean, uh, even even if I, <laughs> I sent something to, to DC Comics when I was, I want to say, 10 or 11 years old, I'm sure it wasn't good, but I at least got a, hey, we received this. That's just... Oh, yeah, yeah, that no, that's just, what I agree with. Like, as far as that, yes. I'm talking about just shutting the project down, though. Like just saying, yeah, like, yeah, hey, yeah, you still shut the project down if you don't get any good stuff. But everybody at least get the rejection letter. Yeah, that part hundred percent should have happened at a minimum for everybody. That's like just that. industry standard. Is like, hey, we got this thing. Like, and honestly, even if they went and said, hey, we like your proposal, you're in the next round or whatever, and then just shoot you a thing saying like, hey, look, because of COVID, we're just shutting the whole project down, whatever. So at least you know, yeah. right? You're not waiting around. Because I had that happen with some jobs at the time, right? Because I was still applying for stuff at the beginning of the pandemic, just as like a backup plan, right? If the right thing came along, I was going to have something else to fall back on. And even after going through some interviews and stuff, I had multiple places that were just like, hey, we like you, but we don't even know if our office is going to be open next month. So we're just going to have to shut down all these. And when we reopen, we'll reach back out to you. (laughs) Was it the Cowboys or some team? I think an eight or nine year old girl applied to be a coach. They did a whole, you know, they made a great cute PR story of how like, you know, we hired a coach already, but Hey, we're holding on to your resume, you know, and everybody covered that as a cute little human interest story. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's good PR. You know what I mean? As we say, this company often fails (laughs) at generating good PR. Ain't going to lie. Like, it totally happens. And some of that is, you know, it is, you know, having a fearful legal side, you know, international stuff, whatever. Like, there's a lot of reasons it happens, but it does happen. But, yeah, I don't know. I think maybe it's just the optimist in me. I refuse to believe none of the proposals were any good. Oh, no, no. There was a there there has to be at least a handful that were. Yeah. 
And like I said, I think mine was solid, but, you know, maybe they saw it differently. Yeah, if but, you don't do the thing, you don't do the thing. But again, just, just let people know what happened. Yeah, that that's where I'm at on it. But fundamentally, I don't really care that it was shut down. Like, I get it. That happens. A bunch of ridiculous stuff happened because of COVID. That's fine. Hell, I've even changed my personal plans four or five times during the pandemic. So, like, I, I get yeah, it. I mean, we all have to just yeah. let folks know. That's exactly it. <laughs> Just let people know that that's the you, you worked on that. I, I know you worked hard. Lots of other people. Hey, they at least, you know, wrote something down, tried to send you an idea of how to promote your project. So just yeah. and that and that's my biggest thing is like just from a PR standpoint, you do have creatives out here that were passionate, put something together, like at least just give everybody the heads up on just like, man, we were really hoping for this idea, but climate's change and it just doesn't work for us right now and that's fine we'd be we'd have been upset about it yeah and you'd have the knuckleheads going we all just made a billion dollars in sales how can we can't you know those people but like realistically well, just, these are valid questions though you gotta answer them <laughs> you know, you just, uh, I, don't, I don't think it i think just because somebody it, has, it, 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 you asked us is the thing no, like, we, did, like, we didn't pitch stuff to you on you know I've talked about it before just because a company has the money doesn't make sense to necessarily spend the money yeah, but you said you were going to. I agree. We you didn't. We didn't ask you for money. You said you were going to give us money and then ghosted us. It's basically what happened. Yeah, but again, if you give me just the explanation, whether I like it or not, fine. And you know what? People would have talked about it. It would have been news for about forty-eight hours, and it wouldn't got brought up again. But when you don't say anything, then periodically there's going to be those people like, "Man, whatever happened to this?" Yeah. You know what I mean? And then you're going to have to deal with that again, <laughs> right? Because even now, during the pandemic, this is like the third time I've seen it go around during the pandemic. And there will be more in the future because it never got addressed. Right. Hell, at this point, it's probably another two years. It'll just fall into magic lore of like, once upon a time, Wizard proposed yeah. all the magic green light fund. You know, like that'll be a thing you're going to see on somebody's YouTube channel a few years from now. So kind of silly, but. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, as you said, it is part of magic lore. Part of when you cover a company, you cover, like, we talk about when they do something good, we cover it. When they do something bad, we cover it. That's how journalism works. Well, it should work that way. (laughs) Sometimes you don't get both sides, unfortunately. But all right, Brian, watch everybody they can find you on social media. All right. I am Brian Sonic on uh, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram. Our family channel on YouTube is Alan's Ever After. And you can find me just about everywhere at Power Dragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N. And I recommend following me on all my socials because I've been a hell of a follow lately showing off my new kittens. And I have some cool <laughs> projects coming over on my YouTube channel. So you should come be part of all that. But as always, wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Please remember to take care of yourself and your family with this other ridiculous COVID spike that's coming up. And remember to be awesome and be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate under patreon.com slash colorofmagic. You can also find us on Facebook under Color of Magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at Color of MTG. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it, because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base.